the latest in agricultural media, and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network Podcast. Welcome to the Ag Communicators Network Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Navarra. Journalists have always competed with hobbies, family, and other interests for their audience's attention. Living in the age of distraction, it is as challenging as ever to catch and hold a reader. In this episode, award-winning writer and photographer Holly Spangler shares her strategies for creating content that resonates with her readers. She is the senior editor of Prairie Farmer and was named Master Writer in 2005 and in 2015. She is also a past president of the Ag Communicators Network. So Holly, welcome to this episode of the Ag Communicators podcast. We're glad to have you here. Hey, Katie, this is fun. Thank you. Um, Before we jump into our episode today, which is going to focus on capturing audience attention, please tell us a little bit about your role at Farm Progress. Yeah, I have been at Farm Progress for a long time, like my whole career. (laughs) So I started at Farm Progress as a field editor for Prairie Farmer Magazine here in Illinois, back in 1998 and um, really have just stayed ever since. I've been in a few different editorial roles since then. I went part-time when my kids were born. I came back full-time and everybody went to school. And today I serve as editor, Prairie Farmer, again, here in Illinois, and then executive editor for Farm Progress, which just means I kind of help manage um, some of our other magazines, you know, in the Midwest and, and further East. Sounds like you have a lot on your plate that keeps you busy. <laughs> Yeah, it keeps me out of trouble, for sure. (laughs) Well, and that leads into our conversation today. Um, You know, what is the most challenging aspect of being able to capture audience attention for each of those titles? Yeah, that's, it's tough. I mean, I think, you know, as editors, we've always, and and any communicator, you're always trying to get your audience's attention, right? And and there's any number of ways to do that. And as we think about those things, in, you know, an editorial and putting out a magazine, you know, we're looking very specifically at how do I get somebody, how do I get somebody's eyeballs <laughs> on a page or on, on a device, you know, on their phone, whatever, to, to read these precious words that I put out, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a hard. And I, I have found myself more and more like, um, before I write anything, like consider all the other things that are pulling on my reader's time, you know, like all the other things that they have to do besides read my words. Um, Because I mean, that's anything. I mean, if we're talking strictly about a magazine in the mail, you're competing against everything else in the mail that day, not just other farm magazines, which are there too. You know, they get a stack of farm magazines. They're getting, you know, flyers about auctions. They're getting mail that needs to be dealt with. They're getting, you know, postcards from, from companies and suppliers and things that require a decision and, and, and um, attention. And I've got to put out something that's so compelling that they actually want to read that, if not first, then pretty quick, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the top of the pile. And the same thing goes in, in, in for digital. I mean, my goodness, you've got the world to read on your phone aside from, from my words. So how do I make that compelling and, and make that something that, you know, they feel like they need to read today, that that's timely, that's going to improve their livelihood or their life in some way. And uh, 
and, and then deliver that to them in a way that they can, they can access pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, um, probably, you know, capturing readers' attention has always been top of mind for editorial staff. Um, but what is, you know, the biggest change that you've seen throughout your career along those lines? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, it's there's always been other things that have pulled at their attention, you know, and, and you add on top of the mail and the digital stuff, it's it's everything that's in their life at that moment. You know, it's, it's um, bills that need to be paid. It's family time. It's, you know, going to a ball game. It's, it's all these different things that are happening. And and that's not changed over time. But I think what has changed is, um, well, first of all, you know, these phones that we carry, um, I feel like there's just, there's always something dinging mm-hmm. <laughs> for them, right? <laughs> something popping into an inbox that needs to be read or dealt with. I think that's definitely changed in a, in a considerable way. And it's just the volume of, of information that's put in front of our readers same thing we're dealing with. It's the volume of information in front of us every single day that we have to parse through and decide, well, what's, what's a valued source here? What, who do I trust? Um, that's been, I think, a mainstay of any agricultural publication <laughs> since the dawn of time, right? Is that we would become a trusted resource in our readers' lives. Um, and, and I hope, you know, that that's what my readers see when they, they get a prairie farmer in the mail every month. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, and you mentioned that, you know, before you read anything, you're very deliberate about thinking about all of these things. Um, Can you kind of walk me through like some of the strategy that you use um, to help you start that next project? Yeah. Well, you know, of course that starts at the story planning moment, right? So, you know, when you're working on, okay, what, what are these stories that we're going to put out this month? What, what's top of mind for our readers what's actually going to be helpful to them right now and then presenting that content to them, gathering it up and then presenting it. Then it's the presentation that's the tricky part, right? So I sit down to write and I, I always think, um, you know, what's going to draw them into the story and make them want to read it, right? So sometimes that's a really compelling headline. Um, just as frequently, it has to be a really compelling lead and, you know, we've heard any number of speakers at Ag Media Summit over the years, you know, who have talked about, oh, I think of um, Ann Wiley. I heard her speak maybe two years ago in 19 about that idea of like every sentence should build on itself, right? She was really tossing out that idea of the inverted pyramid because she's like, you know, if the least important stuff is if everything is less important, why bother reading the rest of this? <laughs> and um, I think that's really true. So like that first lead has to be really compelling and interesting. And I'm a big fan of the human lead or some story that that, that source tells you that puts you in their shoes or in their moment or in that day or whatever. And, and you can do that with anything. You know what I mean? You can do that with an economic story. <laughs> you can do it with um, an agronomic story, you can do it with um, just about anything um, and, and really put readers where they are. And then, you know, you start with this really compelling story about this really human person. And then I think then it that builds on itself. Then you're going to tell them, okay, now why am I telling you this right now? Then you're going to go into all the facts and the figures and the experts and the whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think you, you draw people in with the human part of it. Mm-hmm. Allow them to see themselves in the story and and resonate with the topic. 
Yeah, yeah. And we actually surveyed some farmers a couple of years ago about, you know, why would you read this? Why would you read our magazine? And a lot of it came down to, you know, I can get a lot of information a lot of different places. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it's real similar. And, and we know that. But they said, you know, they read it for a human story. And they really like stories that combine economics and humanity. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so um, I'm just thinking about, I did a story at least a year ago, probably more about um, land values, kind of that farm management part of our world. And, and, and just started out talking to farmers who had bought ground and, and, you know, how did they do it? And what was it like that day? And, you know, they just shared some really, you know, compelling stories. And I started with that and mm -hmm. then build into all the economists <laughs> and the, the numbers and the trends and stuff, which is also interesting and useful. But if you start with that stuff, it's, harder to dive into it. A little drier, a little harder mm -hmm. to read. <laughs> right. Well, right. and that takes, um, you know, really a conscientious approach to an interview. Um, yes. So what advice would you have to reporters going out to gather information for this type of story approach? Yeah, we did, I go back to this a lot. We did a panel at AMS, probably further back than what I think. <laughs> <laughs> 2017 or 18 at least um it was the one in utah and we did a panel of like 20 questions you know that you've maybe never thought to ask in an interview or, or 20 questions to ask in an interview and i think we beefed it up to 25 um and that story we we've we published a story on that so we'll find the link to that <laughs> yeah share here too but we brought in you know different um writers onto that panel, we brought Max Armstrong, who's a broadcaster, because I always think they ask different questions than we do, um, and, and for different needs, but also like, they're really good at interviewing, <laughs> you know, somebody and getting all that information into a short amount of time. And so, um, but, but one of the things that I just come back to from that panel um, was over and over from all of those, you know, veteran and award-winning writers were asking questions that set a stage, right? Like. If you're sitting in somebody's office, ask, hey, tell me about that, that thing on your wall or tell me about those things on your desk or um, questions like that can lead to a lead that you haven't thought about before. Um, or ask them, you know, what that moment or that day was like. I remember Martha Mintz talking about that in that panel, you know, ask them, you know, what was the weather like that day? What, what did it feel like when you made that decision? Um, you know, just trying to get them to think back. And, and sometimes the source just will not, <laughs> they just don't want to talk about it. And that's fine. Um, you just won't get as good of a story. <laughs> but if you get one who's really willing to talk and share kind of that moment or the feeling or the whatever of the day or what their experience was truly like and let people into that, like you've got a really, you've got a really compelling lead mm -hmm. there. So it almost sounds like remembering our curiosity um, you know, instead of going in with us, certainly we need to have an outline of what we need for the story, but remaining curious and really digging into what's below the surface level. Right. And just ask them to just to dig down, like you said, <laughs> for a little bit more. Cause I think, I mean, we're all real comfortable with a surface sort of answer, right. Giving that. And, um, many of us will kind of stay at that level if, if we're not asked to dig a little deeper. So we have to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. Very often they will. 
one thing I like to do is there's a podcast that I like to listen to that the interviewers have really just good, powerful questions. It's called The Skim. Um, and it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with agriculture, <laughs> um, just general business, um, women in business. And you can find some really, you know, unique ways to ask questions for any, any story um, niche. Um, so that, you know, might be of help to our listeners too, is to maybe listen to a couple podcasts or like you recommended some broadcasters and see what yeah. kinds of questions they're asking. Yeah, for sure. I'm blanking on the podcast. I really enjoy her interviews. It's a NPR this is terrible. It's a very famous one. Terry. I'll have to look that one up and we can put we'll it in the notes. <laughs> I'm just having a total blank on what her last name is, but she's a fantastic interviewer and that podcast has been around for a long time. Oh, Fresh Air. Fresh Air. Okay. On NPR. Oh. I'll have um, to take a listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. She just asks really good questions and, and just really compelling. Like, like, even if it's something that I don't, I'm maybe not like incredibly interested in the topic, like she can make it um, much more compelling. Interesting. Well, we'll include a link to both of those shows and, and that article that you mentioned with the 25 questions is a good starting point. Yes. Terry Gross is her name. I know we're talking about it. Terry Gross at NPR, just a fantastic interviewer, kind of a master interviewer, I think, in the questions that she'll ask and how she'll ask them. And, um, just putting people at ease, you know, before they ease into that, which was part of that panel too. You know, a lot of what our um, panelists talked about then was before you try to get them to delve deep into <laughs> their story, put them at ease and how do you do that? And you, you know, find some commonalities and you show them that they can trust you and kind of those, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly over your career, um, you've seen some generational changes um, and the younger generations have many more distractions than the older generations growing up. What um, are some of the challenges that you've noticed specifically, you know, that are, that may be generational? Among our readers, you mean? Yep. Among your readers. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think it's something that agriculture is straddling right now, right? Because um, I think a lot I think a good chunk of our readers still really like to have that print product in their hand. They like to be able to throw it in the semi in the fall or whatever, or they like to have it at the end of the day by their chair or whatever. Like they like to have that print copy in their hand, but there's a whole lot of other farmers um, who say they read everything on their phone. And, and, you know, you can, you can maybe consider drawing a, an age line down that, you know, so like I'm 45 and in general, I see like, you know, farmers older than me tend to really like to have that print park product and farmers younger than me tend to really like to read it on their phone or their device. That's not a hard and fast line. You know, Mm -hmm. there are certainly plenty of older farmers who read things on their phone and younger who like to have a print product, but um, that's definitely changed. And and so we're sitting here in, in ag publishing, trying to kind of meet both of those worlds right? Because that younger farmer is our, is our future and they're the future decision maker, but that older farmer is still making the decision. <laughs> you know, they're still the decision maker now or we're holding a lot of the buying power or the land or whatever you want to, however you want to categorize that. Um, we're trying to reach them both. Mm-hmm. And so we have to do that both ways. And when you do that, um, are you using the same approach and kind of mirroring them, you know, online and in print, or are you taking a different editorial approach for online versus your print? That's a good question. It's hard to do. Um, 
we have a process here at Found Progress that we call digital first. So in essence, everything that runs in print has already run online, but that still looks different. You know, that same story online is going to have a photo gallery and maybe a video and maybe something interactive to it, where in print, now we're going to deliver it, you know, maybe in a different way. Uh, we're going to pair more of those stories together as opposed to a link. Now you're going to see them right next to each other. And some of those connections are easier to make. So um, it's just a different, it's a different, you know, media. <laughs> so you have to present things a little differently. Um, it's still the base, same basic information, but you can, you can deliver it um, in, in different advantageous ways in, in both platforms. Mm -hmm. And what have you found helpful in terms of um, like getting feedback from your readers as to their preferences so that you can make these adjustments as you go along? Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing about the internet, like you know what they're clicking on. Right. I, and, and we do readership surveys, you know, of print and we used to do those all the time. Right. And you, you'd ask, you know, what do you what are you looking at first on this page and where do people's eyeballs go first? And and we learn a lot from that. But um, now we can see exactly what they're clicking on right away mm -hmm. <laughs> for better or for worse um, and, and see what they're interested in. So I think that that helps drive some of that or at least help us see what they're what they're after. Um, and then as editors, you kind of take that into consideration, but we're still editing the information that we're putting out, right? Like we're, we're putting forth that, that, that we see and determine is, is important um, and, and is compelling and is interesting for them. And I'm curious, you know, in your, your career and in your role, um, if you have like a favorite story that comes to mind of, you know, really putting, putting the, the people in the lead and really drawing them into a harder topic that way. Like, is there a story that comes to mind for you as your favorite? Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, um, that land value story I mentioned earlier was one that I think did that well. And I think got people to read something that otherwise they maybe wouldn't have been engaged with because they could read about this farmer who's been there and, and, and stood in the same place that they're going to stand in or whatever at a, a land sale or whatever it might be here with a lender. Um, that was one, um, I think too, I did a profile on Orion Samuelson this winter as he retired from WGN after 60 actual years mm -hmm. <laughs> in broadcasting and, and 68 total um, careers broadcasting. So or 68 years total broadcasting. And so, and I mentioned the Orion one, Orion one only because we got so much mail. <laughs> <laughs> the emails that I got just immediately when that came out online. And then once it came out in print, that was in our December issue, which was several months ago. And I'm still getting letters, you know, from readers who have looked at it and are like, oh, we just really love reading about somebody like that. And I think, I think it's sort of, and maybe it's our, it's our time in this world right now. <laughs> it is sort of a firm for people like, oh, this is somebody who's done some good things in their life and, and all is not lost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's still some good out here in, in the world and, and somebody who's um, worked really hard and done good things. And I think, I think that kind of stuff, you know, people respond to. So not necessarily a hard topic to cover, right? I mean, it was, <laughs> it was hard to write about somebody that had, his, has had a career like that. And it's probably the closest thing we have in agriculture to a celebrity, you know, is Orion and, and Max. 
um, people that, you know, at least here in Illinois, you say their first names and people know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked that into the story. It's like Cher or Madonna or whatever, but <laughs> you say Orion and Max, like, oh, well, we know who that is. You maybe hear their voices in your head. So, um, but that's one. And, and then I think too, like I, I have a column that I've written since 2000. So for a while now, but um, I try, you know, to bring, I mean, it's an opinion column, right? But I, it's a good way to introduce a lot of facts <laughs> to people, you know, and, and maybe get them to listen. Because again, it's that same idea. You're sharing some humanity and then working them into heavier stuff. If you're willing to share links to those few stories, um, I'd be happy to post them along with the notes um, so that folks can go and take a look at the examples you're mentioning. Absolutely. Yeah. Show notes are everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, so I'm just curious, you know, if, if you could offer like a parting word of advice um, to our listeners about capturing their audience's attention, you know, what would that be? Yeah. I mean, this feels a little depressing, right? But I think, <laughs> I think before you write any word, just remember like your reader has something better to do than read your words. And, and I think we forget that, right? Because it's our job. It's easy to forget that because um, maybe we don't hear from them right away. But remember that like they have, they have other things to do. And so you have to make every word compelling. That's a great piece of advice. Always put the reader first. <laughs> it's an age old um, adage in journalism, right? <laughs> yeah, it is not rocket science and it's not anything new. <laughs> it's just maybe a little more pressing, you know, given all the other um all the other polls on their attention right now. For sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing so many resources that um, our listeners can go back and and use on their own. um, And we'll be sure to share those out. Um, So thank you, Holly, for joining us today. Absolutely. It was super fun. Thank you. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.